Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to the Will Within Podcast. This is your home for shared stories of hope, perseverance, will, and inspiration. Join us today as we share another story that brings to life the underlying beat of our lives. Consider us your virtual friends. Let's get inspired. Welcome to the Will Within Podcast, and I'm your host, Regina Pontus. Happy 2023. So excited to be with you here. We had a very interesting 2022. We had some lovely guests. I will say I'm sorry that we petered out a bit at the end of 2022. My sister's passing was traumatic, unfortunately. But thank you so much for all the wonderful messages and prayers of condolence. And also about my hospitalization, I really do appreciate the prayers as well for that. But I want to hit this ground running. As I said, we've got some really exciting people we're going to be talking to, some to do with the TV show called The Chosen. Others are some other inspirational testimonials. I'm looking forward to all of those. Uh, we're going to be listening today to a woman by the name of Deborah Ann Keith. She is the author of a book called Canto Divina. And it's about music, medicine, and scripture as well, incorporating all of those elements into helping people with Alzheimer's, dementia, et cetera. She's charting a wonderful course here. So I'm so excited to have you listen to this. So without any further ado, my conversation with Deborah. Well, Deborah, so nice to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. I loved your book. I thought it was just a very unique way to bring a, together talking about music and mental health and just all around building spiritual development within the individuals. So I'd love to talk to you about that. But I also want to talk to you about, you know, you start off talking about your, your upbringing and how you, you spiritually developed as a child through your college years. And then we'll go on talking about the wonderful book, Canto Divina. And then we're going to also go on to what you're doing next. How's that? Regina, thank you so much. It's just uh, a pleasure, really, to get to know you and, and you know, do this work together and, and serve our Lord together, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I know that you have been a cantor and have a beautiful voice and understand music, so 
Um, I'm excited about that. It um, captured me right off the bat. I was like, okay, she's got my heart right now. I love <laughs> it. Um, so, so basically, um, I did grow up in a musical family. Um, my father was second generation German immigrant. Um, and um, the music was very connected to the faith. Um, so he taught drumming and bugle corps, uh, marching bands for Notre Dame um, in, uh, on Long Island in New York. Um, and, you know, our life revolved around the church. My mom taught CCD and the music. Um, and, and it was not only inside the church, but it was outside the church. Um, Just so, for clarification, so, you were Catholic. Yes, I was raised Catholic. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I, yes, um, so Notre Dame, you know, Our Lady. That gave um, it away. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just, um, you know, I was, I was blessed with um, the faith. I always felt the love of God um, in the Mass. Um, I knew God was all about love um, as I, you know, was educated and uh, grew in. Uh, in my faith, um, music was an es essential component um, of my faith. Um, for me, what I realized much later, and my work is, is built upon receiving the love of God through his music of the church, the sacred music, and, and Christian music as well. So, um, you know, growing up, there was addiction in my family. Um, uh, you know, my parents were functioning alcoholics, um, and, um, you know, there's always some kind of um, challenge in life to make a choice in your life about whether you turn to Christ or not, right? Mm -hmm. um, so um, that was the challenge in my family. My parents were hard workers, and, you know, we had a good life on the east end of Long Island, but, you know, the alcoholism ended up destroying the marriage. Um, so, um, you know, one of the challenges there was that my parents were, were you know, very active in the church and, and the priest who was working with them um, wasn't upholding the values and beliefs and morals of the church as well. So that put a sword in my heart, if you will. Um, you know, the um, divorce is so traumatic. Um, How old were you at this time? Um, I was 14. Okay, so yeah. that's the that's a, that's what the time people start to question anyway. Right, so it's right. Added to it, yeah. Right, yeah. You know, it's a normal time to question, and and one priest is not, you know, doesn't represent the whole church. It's just, you know, my personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, I I did um, go on. I was I was confirmed and. Um, you know, attended church regularly, loved it, played, you know, my flute for, you know, the contemporary music um, service and attended um, the more traditional service as well. Um, um, and, and just, you know, that was the, the faith question, the struggle that I had going forward. So as I went off to college in Boston, I went to Boston University um, and, um, you know, was involved musically, um, studied math and, and finance. And um, you know, a lot of people I find that love music are also well connected in the math arena, you know, um, because music is a science. Um, right. It is formal training. Um, 
Um, and, um, you know, I, I uh, was married a few years later, married Methodist. Um, and so I never really formally left the faith. Um, but, you know, my focus in my marriage became, you know, loving and serving God in another way. And, and the Methodist faith is known for their hymns, you know, and their church dinners, <laughs> which yep. I did a lot of. Um, and, um, you know, as I was raising the family, um, you know, the last 20 years have been obviously very challenging in the world, you know, um, September 11th and everything that happened along there. Um, we're in the New England area. Mm -hmm. So I think everyone was affected by that. Mm -hmm. um, but what I was doing with my work with music, I was teaching and performing on flute. I also became certified as a kinemusic educator. Um, and that's really where I started using music to reduce stress, to relieve anxiety, um, to, you know, elevate, you know, heal depression um, and, you know, and then process trauma and grief because we were all began living in this world that had been turned upside down by the terrorist attacks. You made a good point about you were doing this not only for yourself, but you recognize the connection other people were having with it, right? Yeah. Didn't you start doing that at nursing homes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a bit so, about that. Um, yeah. So um, later on, after, um, you know, raising a family, went for a master's in social work, did the research to see how music was working as medicine um, and worked um, in Concord, New Hampshire, in a hospice uh, environment. Um, where I coordinated volunteers and taught them how to use music as medicine for Alzheimer's patients um, and, and for patients with anxiety and, and depression. Um, my favorite story from the book, it seems like everyone loves to hear, um, is um, I was bringing uh, a few volunteers, training them how to use a reverie harp um, to use this work with um, Alzheimer's patients. I don't mean and, to interrupt you, but can we point out the fact that you specifically say that these people that are doing this practice that you're educating on, they don't have to be musicians. Oh, exactly. No, I'm so glad you said that, Regina. No, this work is for everyone. Um, that's, if I have any frustration now is, you know, once you understand the science of it, um, anyone can apply it. It's probably my favorite thing to do right now is, to teach the science so that more people can apply it in a way that's appropriate for them. Um, you don't have to be a musician at all. You know, it's, it's, um, I seem to have a skill in, in um, taking the medical science, if you will, and research and making it very applicable for, you know, everyone. Um, so, so yes, the, you know, it's, it's really, the science is about brain waves and sound waves and how they connect. Um, and, um, you know, once you understand frequency and sound waves um, and how the body receives it, um, you can very quickly apply this, this work um, in a variety of ways. Um, so with the Alzheimer's patients um, in hospice, I had a reverie harp. Um, which, you know, I was, we were, there's no need to read music. You're just using pitch and rhythm to connect to the mind and the heart um, to reduce anxiety. And then um, 
you know, predominantly at first through rhythm and beat, and then secondarily through pitch. Um, so for instance, a higher pitch resonates with a higher brain wave, which tends to be uh, what happens with anxiety. So as I worked with this patient, um, you know, Alzheimer's patients are filled, most of them filled with anxiety. Um, you know, I started at a higher pitch, you know, with a, in a rhythmic fashion, um, you know, plucking one of the strings, a, a higher pitch string, just to connect with him. Um, and then um, as he started to connect again, music also, uh, the power music to um, connect with memory. You know, we're looking at the amygdala that stores emotional functions and memory and emotional response and connects to sound, um, sound waves um, that with Alzheimer's patients, you know, he, you know, he heard the sound, it was the right pitch, it was, it was the right rhythm. And within moments, he started playing back what I was playing. So there was that call and response, if you will. So he started um, repeating, copying what I was playing on, on this harp. And, you know, it's very simple to use, which is why it's so effective. Um, and, you know, I would pluck a string and then he would pluck the same one. Um, you know, so at first it was just a repetition. Um, and then he started plucking different ones, um, which was amazing. And so we were composing together. Mm. And, and as that happened, he started speaking. Now, he was end stage Alzheimer's. You know, there was, um, you know, not any verbal response. So, wow. you know, cognitively, you know, he was... Wow. There's nothing, you know, no communication with his wife, you know, um, he was lost in the world of Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, the trauma of this was his first day in the facility he had arrived that morning and I was there probably around one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so um, that, in, that in itself is a God moment right there, that story. Exactly. Right. Come on. Come on. If you've any doubt, you know, that there's a God, I mean, it was right unbelievable you know um more than i ever hoped could happen truly um you know i just hoped to reach him i had and no for idea. you it confirmed exactly what you're doing that god was watching what you were doing yeah yeah saying okay yeah there you go right exactly um so um there's no question it was it was confirmed and and we ended up having a um i don't know it was 20, 30 minute conversation where he became fully alert, cognitively alert, was able to hold a conversation. His memory was restored. Um, he um, ended up telling me, you know, all these beautiful stories about sailing with his wife um, when they first met. Um, very detailed, very, very detailed memories. And um, I was overwhelmed, you know. <laughs> It was like his mind had just been put back together again. Um, so um, we, you know, I was there an hour, a little over an hour. Um, the volunteers got to witness it. So, you know, um, and then the staff, you know, the nurses and social workers hadn't even really met with him yet because it was, it was his first day. And, you know, a lot of times when you're bringing volunteers, it's to help reduce, you know, um, the pressure in the medical field, you know, they they do such great work, 
um, and, and they need a break too, right? So, you know, a volunteer team is a wonderful gift to the medical staff. Um, and I loved working with them. Um, but on the way out after, you know, hearing these stories that were treasures to his wife, she had left to go back home while I was working with him and she returned. And when I was able to tell her details about their life together that she thought, you know, no one will ever know, right? How moving. The tears were, you know, we both, I just thought, what did God just do, you know? Um, and that's ultimately when I surrendered my life to God and said, okay, show me what you're doing. Um, and, you know, my children were raised. Um, I was on my own. My parents, you know, one was gone and the other was, you know, doing fine. And I, I couldn't say no to God, you know. Uh, had, had you left the Catholic faith at that point? And, or uh, no, or no. So I had returned to the faith 14, uh, I returned to the faith um, 14 years ago. So that was probably uh, about seven years in. Um, okay. But I was, you know, and I had such a beautiful reversion story. Um, Tell me about that. Uh, thank you. Um, well, unfortunately, it was through divorce. Um, my husband left Christianity um, um, and, you know, had these two beautiful gifted daughters um, and myself. And um, I knew we needed um, a new foundation, you know, um, I'd homeschooled them and raised them with, you know, a very biblical Christian approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something missing. And, you know, as, as I was healing from divorce, it was ultimately it was forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's the root of Catholicism. Yep. You know, yep. the mercy it, of God. It, it's the mercy of God, right? Um, so I was drawn back to the mercy of God. Um, and it, it was interesting. My father played a big part in that, actually. Um, my father died a month after my divorce, which was unbelievably difficult. Um, and his funeral was at the Catholic church that I had grown up in. And and there I was at Notre Dame, New Hyde Park, New York, and uh, my father's casket and the statue of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that was where I belonged and where my father wanted me. Um, it was, um, I also, um, uh, at his wake, um, when I, um, you know, I was so shattered, so much loss in my life at that time. And, you know, and on your heart, it's this burden, like what lasts, right? You know, you see your life being shattered. And um, the gift was that um, as I kneeled at my father's coffin, open coffin, I was called to put my hand on his heart. Mm. And he had been dead a week. And obviously, it should not have been warm. And, you know, it was, it's a very special moment in my life. Um, but my father's heart was warm. And it was his last, I love you to me. Um, and, and teaching of that love never ends. Yep. It just never ends, you know. Um, so, you know, that restored my faith. And, um, you know, I remember my first confession, um, you know, returning to the faith. And the priest, Father Maurice Rochelle, he said to me, 
your penance is to go sing with the choir. <laughs> and, and not that they weren't, they were a great choir, but he just, it was love and mercy, you know, yeah, right, right. Um, it was like, thank you, God, you've returned and it's time to sing, you know. Um, Speaking and, of singing, you said something about tone and, and pitch, and I was just thinking, this is the first time it's ever come across my mind, but I have more of an alto, second soprano alto voice, but yeah. I always sound, I resonate, you have a richer tone than, yeah. you know, obviously like a lyric soprano or whatever. And there were a lot of times that people would say, you know, I can't connect with her because her pitch is too high. But there's something in the level of tone in the pitch of yours. And I thought, I never thought that that was the connection because of the pitch. Yeah. You know, that it it brought down. I just thought I would, God gave me a gift to sing, but I didn't never think about the levels of of the uh, pitch, which I thought was interesting. Oh, and you have a beautiful voice, Regina. Um, I did, thank you. Yes, and, and it's it's a very healing voice that, that you know, I would equate it um, like with string instruments, you know. Oh, that's um, interesting. Right, like um, as I would call it a cello voice. Oh, there you go. You know, that alto, that resonance, you know, and it connects with the heart. Um, I never had a visual like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And there's different ways, you know, so the emotions that, you know, music being a language of emotion, um, that, um, you know, there's just different ways that a, a pitch and a resonance and a, a, the love that you feel in your heart for God also communicates through the sound mm-hmm. of your voice. So um, it's interesting as I have gone through my own healing and transition. Um, you know, uh, predominantly my professional music career really is, you know, is a flautist. And um, one of the things that I'm seeing and uh, one of the most effective aspects of music is that it opens the soul and connects the heart. Mm. And as my heart is immersed in the sacred heart of Christ and the immaculate heart of Mary is, you know, my consecration and devotion and, um, that might there's something there's a love that's more powerful than anything I could ever have imagined that seems to be communicated now through my flute, um, through my playing. Um, you know, so it, it is, it, there's the gift and the challenge, there's a soul connection that happens through music, um, which is a gift when you're um, connecting to a source of love, um, but can be very harmful when it's not a source. Uh, of love. I'll just keep it simple that way. No, I think you're making a great point. Okay, Deb, so let's talk about now your uh, what you're working on now. You did the book. Explain a little bit more about the book and then how you're going to incorporate what you're doing now into the, with the book. So, so the book um, was written as I researched around the country how music as medicine was, what the need was, what or the best place to apply it was, um, and, um, you know, also made connections to develop the work because I could see how powerful it was. Um, so, um, you know, it was written in adoration chapels. And ultimately, as I took the, the science and the history and my own personal experience, um, you know, and, and tested it, um, I, I asked God to show me the best way to implement it. And, and that was where, you know, he gave me the gift of Canto Divina. So I looked at, you know, um, 
it was very clear after seeing what was happening in the world that Catholicism was going to need to lead the way in evangelization through the crisis we were in. Um, you know, I love St. Augustine, when you sing, you pray twice. Um, so uh, I knew the importance of repetition um, and, and to integrate a process of healing and transformation into the church through music was, was my goal. Um, so God brought me to Lexio Divina, which I love. You know, I, I've been a, a devout uh, reader of the Bible. You know, I spent the first hour of most days, the last 20, 25 years of my life with a cup of coffee in the Bible. You know, God is my, you know, my best friend. You know, I, um, and I knew it was his word that had kept carried me and strengthened me and guided me through all of my, you know, the last 20 years. Um, so, um, you know, my younger daughter had studied the Suzuki method. I understood the importance of oral preparation musically. You know, they would listen to a, a piece they were going to perform um, musically for weeks before they even read it and studied it. Um, I also knew that as a, a music educator, that the importance of not only being able to process music orally, but also to process it visually, you know, being able to connect, um, you know, the notes on the page with the mind and the sound and the hand and body, you know, motions. So in creating Canto Divina, um, you know, I started with the you know, foundation of Lexio Divina, and then brought in, um, you know, listening to the psalm first. I chose the psalm, um, a few different reasons, but, you know, here's David, who began this work, you know, almost 3,000 years ago, using music for healing and healing, you know, King Saul's depression. Um, we have the psalms. I said, where? I know God has it. I know he's it's in our church, you know, I just have to bring it back out in a new way. Um, and, and the Psalms as a social worker, you know, they're the heart, they're the emotions that we all share and they're written so beautifully. Um, so, um, you know, in Canto Divina, we are choosing a Psalm that resonates with our heart um, and then listening to it. Um, you know, I, I share Anna and I hope to work on a CD that goes with the book. And um, it's also, you know, whatever psalm is being sung, you know, you can Google YouTube, you know, Psalm 51 or Psalm 23 and, you know, there are many different versions. And then to read it, um, you know, so to fully engage the mind, body, and soul in this process of transformation. Well, I think and, what you're doing is absolutely wonderful. In the last five minutes that we have, Tell me what you're working on in terms of where you see yourself in five years. Let, let me know your mantra and then also how we can connect with you or you, you can connect with us. As well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, what I've been doing now is applying the work in the field of addiction um, with great success. Um, I have been honored to develop a, a musicology program uh, a faith-based addiction treatment center in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Um, and um, so I'm, you know, orient orienting myself right now to um, 
developing opportunities for this work and learning more how to apply it specifically with each, you know, arena. So in addiction, I'm looking at um, healing the whole and the soul that most with addiction have through God's love. And that's working extraordinarily. Um, uh, you know, I have a playlist that I'm working with. Um, I've been there about six months. The program's growing very quickly with great success. I can see this going nationwide very quick. Yeah, it is. I, I, it's right there. We're right there on the edge. Um, I can see, I think God's been preparing me for that. Um, there's a lot of interest. People are coming to see and hear my work and see the results. Um, and, you know, um, I'm ready. <laughs> I, yeah, you sound so, ready. So I'm tell ready. us how we can contact you or get in contact and um, so, more about you. So I, I, yeah, and uh, the book is being sold through Amazon and Cherish Publishing, which is C-H-A-R-I-S publishing.com. And I can be reached via email at contodivina at gmail.com. So C-A-N-T-O-D-I-V-I-N-A at gmail.com. Okay, great. And your mantra. Tell me what your mantra is. We only got two minutes left, but oh my goodness, my mantra. mantra. I want to teach the world to sing and receive the love of God. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Oh my God, this is such a wonderful time that we had together. What a wonderful conversation! Thank you. I enjoy this immensely. Me too. Let's do it again. (laughs) We will. We will. I'm going to make sure we do. So God bless you and in in your all your efforts. Thank you so much, Regina. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Well, thanks again to Deborah for having a conversation with me about this topic. It is just so moving, and I think she's onto something here. I think this is a wonderful resource that she's developing. I'm sure it's going to be picked up throughout nursing homes and other healthcare facilities throughout the country. We can only hope and pray. Like I said, she's doing a beautiful thing, so I'm so glad she got a chance to talk with us. She's very busy, so I'm so glad about that. And feel free to contact her and get her book and read up about all the wonderful things she's doing with that because it really is important. We don't know how many people that it really affects, and this would be a wonderful resource for people to to utilize to try to get in contact once again with their loved ones and feel connected to them. So thanks again to Deborah, and looking forward to next time when we – Talked to a gentleman by the name of David Eves. He is the brother of the one of the producers of The Chosen, which is a wonderful story about the life and times of Jesus Christ through the perspective of the disciples that were chosen. So it's a wonderful resource. He's got such an inspiring story. So I'm looking forward to bringing to you that. And until next time, my Will Within family, be blessed. Mm-hmm.